the next speaker i know his brothers here who's one of the elders that got first can you wave right at the back i know he's upset now there you go good to see you it's good to have you can you give him a hand it's good to see you champ Tekiso is uh really a preacher at heart but uh, he's a chartered accountant uh, who's an entrepreneur he loves his wife uh, on his bio he wrote i'm happily married to my wife Thank you for clarifying that, just in case. Uh, and he has two amazing daughters. I, I can go on. I was at, uh, at Vitz with Champ. He was my senior. Um, but to describe him, there's no other way that I can describe him more than this verse right here. Here's what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The person who's going to speak today is like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he tends to prosper. Can we welcome Champ Dickie Sotista? Can we then give Jesus the craziest, loudest round of applause? Thank you so much to, <clears throat> to the church, to the leadership of the church, under the leadership of Pastor Roger Nicola and all the elders of the church. I appreciate the honor and the privilege of sharing the word today. Um, we are on the third part of the series called Frontline. The last two weeks, the first week, Pastor Roger so powerfully exhorted us as a church to think about working disaster and miracles in the sight of God. And the four principles that he shared with us to exegete the environment in which we work in, to incarnate and to become like Christ in the workplace and areas of our influence, to bring revival and reformation. In the week two, Bernard and Tracy passionately admonished us to move from seeing ourselves as just resources, but to be passionate, purposeful, and world-changing. They encouraged us to work from our strength base and view our work not just to pay the bills or simply a career, but a calling. So my task this morning, it is to build on the foundation that has been laid. As we hear the testimonies of many who have experienced God in the workplace, I pray that it is what all of us experience and not just a few of us. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, faithful and true. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and the essence of goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that all salvation, glory, and power truly, truly belongs to you. You are the bright morning star. We worship you with everything we have. We pray, O oh God, that this word may be protected in the hearts of everyone listening. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that it may bear good fruit that brings glory to you 60 and 30 and 100 fold. Amen. What I would like to 
to, to work and deal with this morning, it's really about three things. One, to speak about a perspective that changes everything. And the world that means everything. And the sons of the kingdom that reclaim everything. The issue of workplace to me has been deeply personal. And many times I have battled with my identity when it comes to the workplace. I had to deal and process a lot. There were days where when I flourished in my spiritual life, as we would call it, it felt like other elements were battling, vocation being one of them. But it also felt like when I flourished vocationally, my heart was growing cold to the things I hold and I, I held dear in the sight of God. And it troubled me. Because I could not enjoy the victories. The victories produced a lot of guilt. But I also was troubled by the, the level of pain that setbacks brought to me. And I felt like a currency. Emotional, just going up, down, up, down, and no lack of stability. Outwardly, good. Inwardly, Badly. And I had to contend with this in my own life because I wanted to do stuff for God. I wanted my life to mean something in His sight. I truly didn't want the brief moment that God has borrowed us and me to be in this world to be like chaff in His sight. I wanted the nine to five to echo in eternity. And I started asking myself, is it even possible that the work that I do has an eternal value to God? Because otherwise, I am moving from Monday to Monday, looking forward to Sunday to be comforted and feel good and go again and feel depressed and contend with what's happening in my soul. I could not live like that anymore. And I had to ask God to deal with this. I believe he has given me breakthrough. And it does not matter. The promotion or the demotion that I get. As long as in that process, I know in my heart that he receives the glory. Because I can tell you, not every success in the eyes of man is success in the eyes of God. I can get a tender. It's not a tender. If in the sight of God, there's blood shed on it. I've sacrificed truth, values, and everything. So I wanted to take a step back and say, God, please sort me out. How do I know that what I do matters to you? 
Is there more to life than just paying the bills every month and bringing the tithes and offerings to church? And since that breakthrough moment came, there's a lot of testimonies I can share with you. For the sake of time, I want us to delve deep into the word this morning. Can we turn our Bibles in Matthew 13, verse 24, and to verse 30, and Matthew 36, and verse 36 to 43? He put, he's explaining the parable, he's, 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 he's explaining the kingdom to everybody. And he says, he put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sow good seed in his field. But while his men were asleep or sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also, it's amazing what happens sometimes when a little bit of breakthrough comes. There's some weeds that tends to come. And then the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. I can hear the anger of the servants of the Lord saying, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no. Wait a second. Because in gathering the weeds, you root out, you may root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until harvest time. And at harvest, I will tell the reapers, go and gather the wheat first, bind them in, the, in bundles to be burned. But the good news is, Gather the wheat into my basket. Verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples came to him and say, Master, we are troubled. Something doesn't sit well. We don't understand what you just said. We, may, we get a picture of the wheat. But what is this wheat story? Please explain it to us. Revelations comes to those who are in the house. Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field, please. He answered, the one who sowed good seed is the son of man. The field is the, is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, 
And the enemy sows them in, the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age, the completion of a cycle of time. Then the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fairy furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and snatching of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Can I read it with the explanation that Jesus just gave us? Bring them together. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the son of man, Jesus, who scatters good seed, the sons of the kingdom. In his field, the world. And his men, when they were still sleeping, his enemy, the devil, came to plant the weed. There's so much I can go on about, but the understanding of this parable served me well. And I just want to take out one portion of the scripture because it's a buffet and we can end up here the whole day. So, the one revelation or the observation that I made and the perspective that changed everything for me in my dilemma is the fact that it is his. It changed everything. The good seed that he sows in the field, that field he claims it as his. I pray that he doesn't refer to the church when he says his men were sleeping. But he says it is his men. And it is his enemy that came. The servants of the master. Who's the master? It is him. And he gathered into his barn. He starts with the field. And he sows good seed, the sons of the kingdom. Who are the sons of the kingdom? It's us. But it's his field. And he says, he, 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 he plants them in the field, the world. But when he commands his angels to come and go and gather, he says, gather everyone or everything out of my kingdom. So he moves from the field. He ends up with the kingdom. What happens in between? The sons of God, the sons of the kingdom, took what was barren, the land that was nothing, and gave it back to him, the land 
that's full of evil, the kingdom. So this morning, for me, it changes everything because that means he's the owner. He's the one who actually we sing to his tune. That means I don't have to make things up anymore. It means to me that my definition of success has to come from him. Because it is his field. And he's putting me in it. So what has he asked me to do in his field? Because whatever he has asked me to do, that will be success in his eyes. Even if it may not appear to the eyes of man as a success, he is the one who's calling you to come and be in his field. Oh, by the way, it is his enemy too. What does that mean to me? I don't have to worry about him. He touched me, he touched the wrong thing. He touched you, he touched the wrong thing. Because it is, you are his, and he is his enemy. He will sort him out when the end of the age comes. And I can tell you something, it is his angels. You know what these angels say? They say the field is getting corrupted. The world is getting corrupted. But because the sons of God are there, how can we do this? We want the sons of God to be only with you, to do what you want them to do, to produce the wheat. But this, there's a problem. The weeds are there. Can we go and take them out? And the angel says, no. What does that mean to me? It means I'm protected. They are watching me. They are watching you. And they, you will not fail. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Let there be peace in your soul. You are safe in his hands. You are on the winning side, somebody. Let your identity be in him. Let him be the superior voice in your life. I don't have to worry anymore. Do you realize that he doesn't mention anything about how the seed grows? He takes care of it. He waters it. He nourishes it. He gives it sun. You are well taken care of, child of God. I pray that you don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, because your heavenly Father knows you need it. You just be the seed. Be a good one. So that perspective changed everything. And the world, that means everything to him. The question is, what is that world? Many of us may have very different definitions of the world. But I can assure you, the world to him means everything. The word world there, in the scripture we've just read, it is the same world he said, for God so loved the world. It is the same word when John saw him and he said, here comes the Lamb of God to come, he's coming to come and save 
the world from its sin, from missing the mark, from losing the big picture altogether, running on a treadmill, going nowhere. He came to save the world. It is the same word, the world that he means when Paul says, Christ is working in us. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation so that he can reconcile the world to himself. What does he mean when he says the world? He means the cosmos. The cosmos means everything. The cosmos means the universe. He died for the universe. It means the creation. He died for the creation. It means the worldly affairs. The inhabitants of the world, the adornment of the world. He died for everything, everyone, and he wants it back. He paid for it with his precious blood. And how does he get it? He sowed good seed. The word good there, it has two meanings. One, is beautiful. Beautiful. The second meaning of good there means good. But the good that it means is the attractive good. He sowed attractive, beautiful seed. And that's what he's expecting us to do to the world. The wheat that we produce, it's what is fused. In the flower, which creates the bread. And he called himself the sustenance, the bread of life. There's no act of kindness. There's no act of grace. There's nothing that you sacrifice for the good of the world that will ever, ever, ever be forgotten. He's going to use it as wheat to serve the world. He's building his body, Jesus. So I pray that when you go to work tomorrow, feel good about it. Because he's calling you to reclaim it. It's already paid for. He's already done it. Go and reclaim it. The industry you work in, do not be satisfied when it doesn't represent the ethos, the, the values of the king. It changed me because my personal success is not enough. It's just water keeping me here to do my work. I don't have to worship the stuff anymore. I can have the goods, but they may not corrupt me. Why? Because my value is coming from him. And what does he do? He says, go and bestow value to the world. Don't take value from it. Give it value. Whatever you touch, may it increase in the name of Jesus. Whatever you do, may it become better in the name of Jesus. Whatever, whoever you speak to, may you breathe life to them in the name of Jesus. May they see you. When they look at you, they say, attractive. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want, I want him. When they ask questions, so why are you like that? 
prepared and back to the master. It's good seed. And I pray that if there's anyone here who has allowed himself to be weak, oh, it's not a good day. It's not a good day. The reason why the angel said, Jesus said to the angel, don't do it, is because when the wheat and the wheat, before their maturity, they look exactly the same. And Jesus was concerned that if they get uprooted, before maturity of the weed, it would interrupt what is doing in the world. The weed and the weeds look exactly the same, but the weeds have everything except they're good for nothing. They cannot be used any, any other way. They are a destructive force. And sometimes the things that are meant to bless us, if we don't use them well, they can be destructive, become weeds. But when we reach maturity, he says it's time. He calls his angels. He says it's time. Go gather out of my kingdom. Why is it important to preach the gospel? Because it is his kingdom. The Bible says nations will be judged in righteousness. Nations must be saved. In the book of Revelation 21, it speaks about the kings of the nations walking in a procession. They would be going to the king of kings, the Lord of glory, and they will be presenting to him the honor and the glory of their nations to him. I want South Africa to be one of it. I want the industry that I'm planted in to be one of it. And I pray that let that be the desires of our heart. Let the people you work with join you in that procession. Because in that procession, there will not be anything that is filthy. There anyone that does not deserve to be there. May God bless you. 